All righty. All right. We've peed. <laughs> we've had drinks of water. We're ready to go. <laughs> Caitlin's turned British. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Hi, and welcome to Dead Mom Society. I'm Mel. Nope. nope. Wrong. <laughs> the club that nobody wants to be in. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Okay. All right. Ready? <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Dead Mom Society. The club that no one wants to be in. We get you. Let's do this. Uh, today, we're going to be exploring the very complicated and interesting subject of what to say versus what not to say when your loved one is grieving. And it is going to be tough because this is also the most like objective or subjective subjective, subject matter that we could probably do. And it totally varies for everyone. Mm -hmm. But from like a general consensus, there's a couple things that you should absolutely never say. Mm-hmm. And a couple things we recommend you say. Yeah, because the, at the end of the day, you just want to show your support. And sometimes showing your support looks very different to you than it might to someone who's grieving. So yes. we're going to just like do a little run around with that. Yes. And hopefully get some ideas. And we're probably going to learn as we're talking about it. Yes, I think so. That's usually what happens. We usually get going and we're like, oh my God, wait, what? Wait, we are learning so much. I am much. such a genius. I had no idea it was such a genius. <laughs> Wow. Can I just play that back one more time? <laughs> I just like listen to myself for the rest of my life because I'm just so much smarter than I thought I was. Yeah. It's not true. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, Kate, tell mm. us about your week. Tell us about how you're doing. Well, I fear I'm in a downward slope, unfortunately, but it's all it's okay because I am just trying to be super aware of it and trying to just kind of like take things as they come and recognize my classic signs of slipping and just not trying to combat them, but understanding what they are and setting myself up so that I am not kind of like left in the dust when I happen to have a depression attack. So beautifully said. Yeah. I just got back from Hawaii, which was incredible. And I was there for a wedding. I was a bridesmaid. And it was just the nicest time. It was so wonderful. And I just didn't have to make any decisions or think about anything because I was just like working and helping with the wedding. And then I was enjoying and hanging out with my friends. And it was such a lovely time. And then I got back to Denver and I was like, fuck. (laughs) Hold up. I have to figure out what to eat for dinner, which was, I believe, the start of like a little bit of a spiral for me because I... I have a hard time eating when I'm in a slump and I didn't even realize that that's what was happening until I talked to my coworker, Natalie. She is the best shout out to Natalie because yeah, major shout out. But we were just chit chatting and she was like, what are you going to do for lunch? And I was like, I don't know. I can't think of a single thing I want to eat. I just wish I could take a pill and it would fill me up. So I wasn't hungry anymore and give me all the necessary nutrients. So I didn't have to think about what I was going to have to eat. And she was like, Hmm. How's your mental health? <laughs> You're like, oh, that transparent. Okay. I was like, I think it's fine. I think I'm good. I don't know. <laughs> and then more Wait days go by and I like basically start to have really interesting conversations within my mind of like, it is 4.30. My body is telling me that I'm hungry, but I have no appetite. I can't feed myself. If I have chips or popcorn right now to curb a little bit of my hunger, I won't be hungry for dinner. And then if I'm not hungry for dinner, I won't put anything in my body because I don't want to eat right now. And just like this whole entire back and forth of just like a spiral. Yeah. Total spiral. Um, and I'm also having all these conversations in my own head (laughs) in my bed because I can't really get up. So, um, so anyway, totally didn't realize that I was going on a little slippery slope here, but I totally am. But it's been helpful just to talk about it and, um, just knowing that I have a network has been helpful this time around and also just recognizing the signs and just understanding like Mel, I talked about, we just went on a walk before this and, um, I was just talking about how I, I'm having a hard time eating and she was like, okay, well, you're going to make yourself a big batch of something that you enjoy eating and just stick it in your fridge. So next time your body's telling you you're hungry, you don't have to think about it. You just warm it up and eat it. And that sounds so simple, but it's like, I was so like, oh hard. my God, that's so valuable. <laughs> That's a great idea because the like anxiety and it's almost like paralyzation that I get when I think about 
I'm hungry right now and I need to eat something, but I don't know what to eat. So I'm just going to not eat. Like it's just, it's, it's a vicious cycle. So just having that one little step is great. And taking time to like read and like do my laundry and just set my week up to be better. So when I might not be in the best mood, I don't have to think about how my apartment's dirty too. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's been helpful just being so much more aware um, I will also say that being self-aware can sometimes be extremely frustrating because you just know that you're not feeling great. And it's like, I don't know, it can be a little bit tough of just like, I wish I could just feel better. I wish I didn't know this about myself. I wish yeah. I could just pretend like everything's fine, but you can't. It's like being familiar enough with the feeling to know, okay, so I know there's going to be work involved mm-hmm. in getting out of this feeling. Yeah. And I'm really not into that right now. Like I'm exhausted. Totally. Yeah. So things are okay. I know they're going to get better and I know that I'm going to be okay. Um, but yeah, just, I think a huge part of this podcast is also, you know, we want to, you know, we want to stick to positivity and we want to, um, have solutions and stuff like that, but it's also important to be real. Mm-hmm. And I have done a lot of work on my grief and sometimes my grief punches me in the face and that's what it's doing right now. And I think it's really important to be honest and open about when we're not feeling great because what kind of podcast would it be if we lied to you? (laughs) You Like what? That's not fair. What's the point of that? What's the point of that? This whole thing is about being open and honest with ourselves and with our friends and our family. And if we're not staying true to that, even when the honest truth is like not pretty shit. (laughs) um, What's the point? What's the point? I couldn't agree with you more. I I feel like, you know, you brought up a good point. A lot of people talk about sleep paralysis, or maybe not a lot of people. Mm. People that I know talk about sleep paralysis. Yeah. But I've never heard anyone talk about grief paralysis, <laughs> where you are literally paralyzed from making any decision. And yeah. you can't move your body, but you can't sleep. You're hungry, but you don't have an appetite. Thinking about making any sort of decision about hanging out with friends or eating a meal or cleaning your apartment becomes paralyzing Mm -hmm. because you're so overwhelmed and exhausted by your grief. It's such like a silent insidious thing where it just kind of sneaks up on you and you don't really see it coming. You don't really notice it until you're in it, you know? Yeah. And then once you are in it, it's like so annoying because it's Mm -hmm. like, God damn it. I was just having the time of my life with my friends on a beach and like, I have nothing to be like depressed about. And I'm still depressed. Like, it's like, what so the hell? annoying. It's the most annoying thing in the world. And there's really not a whole lot you can do when you're in it, especially when you're feeling frustrated with yourself because the frustration just creates more, like, depression, you know, where you're just like, what is wrong with me? And then uh, it's it's yeah not fun. <laughs> I really feel like, you know, I'm going to go back to Stephen's episode now, mm-hmm. but I really feel like the only thing we can do for ourselves, and it's something that I'm not good at, and I have to really get better at is looking at our ourselves as a child and how we would take care of that child. We wouldn't be beating ourselves up for feeling that way again. We would say, man, like you're here again. Let me take care of you. Let me give you what you need in this moment to make sure that you're you're like surviving. You're doing OK. Yeah. Which is so hard because it it's also tough. like it's especially hard when you don't know what it is that you need to get out of it. Yeah, we are our biggest cheerleaders, but we are also our big, like, greatest critics. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's tough sometimes because it's like, you just want to smack yourself and be like, what is wrong with you? Snap out of it. But also, you know, the only way to snap out of it is to nurture and care for yourself and to give yourself what you need. And if you are very sleepy, take a nap. Yeah. And if you are hungry but can't eat, you just make yourself a little something, just like we talked about. So Mm -hmm. it is tough because even making those decisions to better yourself and to like get out of this little depression slump can be exhausting, very exhausting. So it's yeah. a lot. It's, it's a lot. A lot. Yeah. I'm so proud of yourself for first of all, recognizing that you're feeling this way. Cause that can be kind of hard. And it, I feel like it's easier to ignore it and be in denial about what you're feeling like. No, I'm fine. It's whatever. I'm probably just tired, but I'm really proud of you for looking at yourself and being like, Oh, I've been here before. What is this? Let's address this. And also for the fact that you're feeling your feelings, you're not just thinking about them. 
Mm because we've talked about that a lot, you know, or it's easier to think about, well, I'm probably feeling this way because, and you have a reason for everything, but you're not feeling the feeling and you're feeling the feeling. Yeah. So I'm really proud of you. Thank you. And I think that's the best way you can get out of this. Thanks. I have been more emotional about it this time around, which actually is kind of nice. I've like teared up quite a few times, which is good. But on the, on the front of like me recognizing my feelings, my emotions, I owe that to Natalie, like genuinely. And I just, I think this is going to play into what we want to talk about today. She understood that I wasn't doing well before I did. And she didn't shy away from it. She wasn't like, ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to not because it sounds like it's going to be a conversation. She immediately turned all of her attention towards me. I felt the air in the room soften. I felt her aura become caring. And she literally was like, check in on yourself before I even understood that I need to check in on myself. And then she just created this space for me and she let me lead it, but she just was so there. And I have never like, she's, she's not technically, she's not really grieving right now. And I don't know if I felt that from someone who's not currently grieving and it was so amazing. And just Natalie, you're the best. And so I'm going to tell you this in person as well, but I know you listen, so. <laughs> That's a wonderful example of what to do in a situation where your friend's grieving and you're not. Yeah, it was incredible. So that's definitely a big a big part of what we're going to touch on today. Yes. Um, it's just kind of how to be a friend, how to be a support system when you don't really know how to do it yourself. And also, like, I mean, I so my friends Claire and Sophie they they both lost their dads uh, before I did and both of them when my mom passed they were like we know that we've grieved but we don't really know what to say either and I completely agree with that like if someone if one of my friends had you know someone close to them pass in the next whatever close amount of time I feel like I would have a better understanding of how to approach that but it's still tricky mm-hmm. because everyone's different and. It's not, it's not one size fits all mm-hmm. at all. So that's what we want to discuss here today. But before we do that, Mel, how have you been? I have been pretty good. I, I have to say things have been pretty steady right now. My external has been very, very busy. Um, so that. that has been wonderful. I've just been busy enough to not pay as much attention to the internal recently. Mm-hmm. So ask me in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but right now things are, are mellow just kind of chilling. So good. that's really good. Um, I did find this book that I showed you. Um, I was looking through some of my mom's stuff and it was, it's a book and it's just titled in loving memory. And one of my, um, my friend's moms gave it to me and it has some of the most beautiful quotes in here ever. So we'll have to go through some of them in Definitely. these episodes. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's all about grieving a loved one. Mm. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's nice to have like little different resources you can reach out to that are like even just the written word because sometimes yeah. you never know. You could read a quote one day and be like, that's a nice quote. And the next day you could read it and be like, oh my God, this is exactly <laughs> this what I needed. Is amazing. Thank you so much. So, yeah, it's that's true. That's always nice. So, we'll definitely it's true. go through that. Yes. Um, okay. 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 Take it away. Okay. Hi. So, we're going to talk about how to be there for someone who's grieving today. And it's such a complicated and subjective subject that this is our second time recording it. (laughs) So here we are. Um, We have some tips for how to be there for someone who's grieving, that kind of our general umbrella tips, Mm -hmm. because we realized the more specific we get, the more subjective we get, and the more confusing we get. Yeah. Because this is a, this is a large subject I think for grief it's a large subject and it's probably something we could even come back to in future episodes like so much so that we're literally we already recorded this and I listened back to it and I was like this is a mess we <laughs> went down way too many avenues <laughs> so we're coming back and trying to be a little bit more um specific without being too personal yes. I think it's kind of the goal of what we're doing today yes and mm-hmm. ultimately you know it just depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Depends on the griever. Totally. It's always awesome to ask a griever before following any of those, to these tips. Do you know if you have a really good way of helping you that's helped you in the past? 
And just kind of start there. Yeah. That's perfect. And sometimes they don't. But if they do, I mean, like, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. But in general, um, we came up with five little items that we think are good jumping off points for helping someone who's grieving. Um, So first, we have um, lead with love and be present. And we will get into that more. We're going to read all five of them first before we kind of dive into them. Um, What's your number two? Number two is don't have expectations. Mm, Big one. Hard to do. Mm -hmm. Number three, um, be intentional. Mm -hmm. And number four is be specific. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we have um, follow through. So yeah, we'll just jump right in to our five little items. Yes. Um, So number one, yeah, we have lead with love and be present. Um, And this is something that I think sounds kind of obvious, but sometimes it's hard to do when you are also affected by this loss, but you're not the most direct person affected by this loss. So mm-hmm. this is something I experienced a lot um, because my mom was so wonderful and influenced so many people that this was probably the, the biggest... Um, uh, trigger is not the right word for it because it wasn't a trigger, but this is something that I experienced where a lot of people would start conversations with me saying, I miss your mom, or something Mm -hmm. like that. And they would lead with I statements. Mm -hmm. And while that's all good and lovely, um, doesn't really open up a whole lot of opportunity for the griever to talk about what they want to talk about. It's actually opening up a floor for the griever to then comfort you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of a big one. And uh, it's something that, you know, I'm also guilty of at times where I'm experiencing something, but this person might be experiencing it a little bit more on the forefront Sometimes it's kind of hard because you also you want to seek comfort from each other, mm-hmm. but it's more important in that moment to be super present for the griever, and then maybe you can have talk, like a conversation that's a back and forth conversation kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I agree with Kate, um, and like she kind of touched on is starting it with a you statement. Like, like for example, if you had a dream about our moms, <laughs> or like you came up to me and were like, I had a dream about your mom. A great way to see if the griever is in a good space to talk about that maybe is by saying, I have been thinking about your mom a lot lately and have you had any like visitations from her? Have you noticed her like any signs show up? And in that moment, the griever can choose to just say no and cut it off and that's the end of it. And and I think that's a great indication that they don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Or maybe the griever opens it up to, you know what, I have. Have you? And when the griever opens the floor to you in return to you opening the floor, I'd say that's a great time that you can use an I statement. Absolutely. And I think no time before that. (laughs) I agree. I agree. It's important to start the conversation, especially, you know, if this might be the first time you're checking in on your grieving friend or if this is, if it's still really fresh, you know, it's really good to open up the conversation first and foremost with... I mean, I have, I I have the crazy video game guy who yells. I'm gonna put him upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) Mel also just like waxed her floors, so Tequila cannot. He can barely walk. He's sliding all over the place. It's quite funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We are back. Um, pardon the interruption. We uh, have moved over to a different location. We are now on the floor because Tequila has decided to just be a rambunctious little pup, as he is. He's being a bad bunny. He's being just, he's being himself. And we love him for it because he's adorable and we really like him. <laughs> but we are reminded why we record at my house. <laughs> yes, this is not a, a normal thing. I just have loud neighbors. Um, anywho, so when you're opening up the conversation, say this is the first time you're talking with your grieving friend and you really want to make it known that you will be there for them now and moving forward. Um, it's super important to open up the conversation with the whole like lead with love, be present kind of thing, because say you're at an event or say you are in a situation where you kind of notice your friend might not be 
um, might be a little bit sorrowful just in that moment. Say you're like maybe at a wedding or you're at a birthday party or even just out at dinner or whatever. Really anything. But um, it's, it's important to notice when your friend or loved one might need just a hello, how are you? Is everything okay? Is there anything you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you open up that conversation, just make sure you're opening it with you statements and that you're coming at it from a place of love. You know, you're like, yeah. you're not coming at it from like a, do you need to go somewhere? Like, do you need to go take a moment or something like that? Right. You know, if you notice that they're kind of in a spot, just say, hey, I get that this could be a tough event for you. Like, do you want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Is there something that I can do for you? Yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> and I, I want to... Go back to what you touched on and saying, like, you don't have to come at it as, like, oh, my gosh, do you need to get out of here? Because I think when you care about someone and you see them in a tough spot, the human reaction is to, well, react and not respond to it. And with that comes some, like, with that urgency maybe comes some fear, which I think can make a griever uncomfortable in that moment. I think that when you're in the middle of a, let's call it a grief episode or whatever, it's already a scary place to be. And I think the calmer you can approach it and the more with love and like comfort you can approach it, the better. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't agree with you more. And, and being able to, you know, see them without projecting what you think their experience should Mm. be. Cause I think it's easy. And I'm, I've done this, you know, I did this with Stephen one time where I was like, Oh, that sounds horrible or whatever. And he actually said, you know, it actually wasn't like, I just, I, I'm kind of tired of people automatically saying, that sounds horrible. Instead, you could ask, how do you feel about it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's tough in the moment, but I think that's a part of leading with love and being present. Yeah. You know, understanding that you're opening up a space for them that's completely free of expectations, com- completely free of judgment. Um, it's just for them. Yeah, it really goes with the, I think that's huge with be present, you know, like regardless of the situation, regardless of where you are, what you're doing, if you notice your friend is having a hard time, it's okay to ask about something in that moment and wait for them to respond. I agree. A hundred percent. I agree. Um, okay. So number two, we have don't have expectations. And this is something that I kind of struggle with because I oftentimes want people to feel the same way that I feel sometimes or um, just kind of expect them to have similar experiences to mine. But that could not be further from the truth because every individual has their own experiences outside of grief. So why Mm -hmm. would their grief be any different? Um, And I think that is super important to definitely, when you ask a question, leave it open-ended and leave it open so that the person who you're asking can say anything. 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 And anything (laughs) means anything because... Grief isn't always just, I miss my mom. It could be, like for me, part of my grief is feeling angry at my mom. And that needs to be okay without somebody having the expectation that I'm going to say, oh, I miss my mom, when really what I need to say in that moment is I'm angry at my mom. And then there's this kind of pressure on the griever. If you have that expectation in your head for them to want to please you so they don't feel like they have to take care of you. Mm Mm-hmm. It's also important, I think, to know that as a human, we do project on people what we already think. And I think it's that difference. What do, What is the saying? It's like listening to listen or listening to hear, you know? Um, oh, already, always listening. That's mm-hmm. the saying. When you ask a question and you're asking the question because you already think you know what the answer is going to be. Mm-hmm. Instead of, and I guess this kind of goes with be present too, but mostly having expectations. You're asking a question without already wanting to know what the answer is going to be. You're asking a question because you truly care about what you're asking the griever. Mm -hmm. So you're not having expectations put on them for how they should answer it. Um, And I also think that sometimes when you ask your grieving friend or loved one, are you okay? And they say, yeah, I'm okay. That can also be just as shocking as that's insane. so true. You know, like sometimes they really are doing okay, and sometimes as the loved one, you almost put the thing on them of like, no, you can see anything around me. No, like mm-hmm. I know that this might be hard for you. Like I'm here for you. Nope. Sometimes they really are doing okay, mm-hmm. and if they say, 
I'm all right. Whether it's true or not, you need to be respectful of that. Mm-hmm. And you need to maybe make it some other statement of like, okay, well, when, if you're ever not okay, you can yes. talk to me. Yes. And end it there. There's no need to push. There's no need to ask further questions. There's no need to pry. Because maybe they're not. But asking those type of questions, maybe they're just barely holding it together. And mm-hmm. they really cannot talk about it in this moment or else they're going to combust. That's exactly right, Kate. I couldn't agree with you more. And maybe think, they really are totally fine. Yeah. And I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Because either way, them saying, I'm all right, is an indication that the, the conversation's over for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't have the expectation that a griever is going to tell you every little bit of what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And don't take it personally when they don't. Yeah. Or be open to it when they do. You know, uh, it's just mm-hmm. not having any expectation whatsoever. And I think that's huge, and I think that's something even I learn still, you know, with the people around me who grieve, you know. It's, I spend a lot of time thinking about how not to have expectations, Mm -hmm. because I'm a control freak. So I think that, (laughs) I think that's the toughest one for me, but I think it makes a world difference for the griever when you're able to not put that on them. I think when you're grieving someone, there's also this weird expectation to, always say the right thing as the griever, which we can get into in a whole other episode on a topic. Um, So you relieve that kind of pressure by not putting any extra expectations on them. 100%. I love that. I think that's completely true. And I really think that, I mean, it kind of goes into the whole like be present thing. Like they really, all these really do go hand in hand. So we're going to be saying (laughs) that a lot. Um, But when you do lead with an expectation, you make maybe some sort of statement Sometimes the griever can also feel insecure about their grief of like, oh, should I be feeling some type of way? Like, is it weird that I'm not sad? Or is it weird that I'm having a hard time separating my grief from from a football game or like, you know, whatever? Like, it could be anything. But when, I mean, I've definitely had experiences of this with my own grief of like, I feel like I should be feeling something right now and I'm not and I don't really know why, but everyone's looking at me or maybe asking me specific questions so I feel uncomfortable and, you know, maybe a little bit guilty mm-hmm. because maybe I'm not feeling the type of way that people are expecting me to feel. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that this is one that also can really last for, you know, the rest of your life because people do also have expectations that your grief maybe goes away after mm-hmm. A time period and I think it's really important to note that grief has an expiration date and you cannot put a cap on when you're gonna feel bad and you cannot have you know a date on when you're gonna feel better and also like we've said so many times it's not linear mm-hmm. so you could have an amazing year or five years or ten years and then one day you wake up and you feel like shit mm-hmm. it happens and being able to talk to your friend whose loved one passed away years ago with still the no expectations ideal yeah, is so important and it will make them feel so heard and so open regardless if they want to share or not they will feel so taken care of by you so taken care of especially that timeline thing because I think a lot of people imagine grief and my, my therapist kind of gave me this visualization of grief being like a tree in the middle of a field, let's say. Mm-hmm. And the tree grows as time moves on. The grief grows, in my opinion, you know, because it, you start to see your grief in other areas of your life you didn't have when you lost the person. So it grows into different parts of your life, but the grass around it grows too, and you are the grass. So it's not that the tree, the grief shrinks as time goes on. The grief actually grows. You're just growing around it, and you're growing with it. And I think that's a cool visualization to have because... Instead of having the expectation that it's been five years, their grief has shrunk. It's not as big. They don't feel it as much anymore. So this question won't be as bad anymore. Mm-hmm. Having no expectations. And, you know, that's great if, the, if that is true. But having no expectations so they feel hurt if it's not. Love that. Well said. And also, what a cool visual. Isn't that cool? That's such a cool visual. And it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, definitely. Because you kind of do just, like, encapsulate it. Makes me feel better, honestly, oh, about my own grief. I love that. <laughs> Personally. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And another thing uh, with de- not having expectations is also 
not expecting them to need you, which is very hard to do, but it's also very hard for the griever to sometimes explain this is not what I need right now Mm -hmm. and I need this from someone else and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes you're not going to be the one who's going to be able to comfort the griever because maybe there's someone else who might understand them a bit better or there's someone else who is maybe closer to the situation. Mm -hmm. Or I just don't want to talk to you. And it's not personal. It's not personal. There's nothing personal about it. Mm -mm. So you could start this conversation. You could open up this floor and the person could say, I don't want to talk about it. And that needs to be okay. That's, again, not having expectation. You Mm -hmm. can't expect them to want to talk about it. And it's, again, it's hard to be on the receiving end of that because all you want to do is just help this person and, and let them know that you're there for them. But they know that. If you ask and if you approach them with, you know, an open heart and everything and, and you want to help them feel heard and, and they're not necessarily responding to it, mm-hmm. it might be because they just don't want to talk to you about it. And that's that's okay. That it's, is okay. It's sometimes hard to, like, again, be on the receiving end of that. But mm-hmm. you need to understand that, Everyone is different, and there are some things that they don't want to talk about with anyone, even themselves, and you need to not push them. You need to not put pressure on them to open up, and that's... And it's not a... That's not a reflection on your friendship with that person. No. Like, the griever could be your very best friend in the whole wide world, and if they don't want to talk to you about something, it's not a reflection on you being their best friend. It's them, their relationship with their grief, and them telling you that... That's a boundary they don't want to go over. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I think that, you know, even I have been, you know, the one who's like, oh, no, they don't want my help. Why don't they want my help? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And it's important to evaluate inside yourself how you can address that need to be needed before approaching the griever again, I think. And I say that from personal experience, being the person who needs to be needed mm-hmm. sometimes. It's hard to do, but it'll be much better for your relationship with the griever in the future. And it's not putting an expectation on them that they need to reach out to you. They they should feel bad for not reaching out to you about something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, I do have multiple, like, different friends. Like, I, this is going to sound odd. I use my friends for different reasons, which mm-hmm. sounds, like, really vain of me to say. But I think, no, I think, I think everyone that's kind of that. a little bit. Like, Mel... I talk about my grief with you, like, probably 50% of our conversations yeah. <laughs> about grief because you get me and we can relate on that. Mm-hmm. I do have a handful of friends, several friends, in fact, that I don't talk about my grief at all with them because it's not what I need from them. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be reminded when I hang out with these friends that I'm currently grieving. I hang out with them because I want that sort of relief. I want the, I want the break. Mm-hmm. I want a break from bringing a griever. I want some sort of distraction or some sort of release in a different way. And I think that sometimes when um, your your friend's loved one passes away, it's hard to not have the expectation of like they're gonna be sad all the time. They're gonna want to talk about this. They're gonna they're gonna want to mm-hmm. do that. It's not always the case because sometimes you are the friend that they're gonna come to when they need some sort of relief from that kind of grief mm-hmm. and they need some sort of relief from those questions. So it's you know just really let them lead. And let them show you what they need from you and don't have expectations and don't put those expectations on your griever. Because mm-hmm. that can be tough. It can be really tough. Trust that the griever knows what they need. And if they don't know, they'll find out and they'll let you know. Yeah, it's not absolutely. You. It's not your responsibility to make the griever feel better. Because mm-hmm. you probably can't. It's just your responsibility to be there for the griever if you can. Yeah. And going along with that, um, I also think it's important to note that sometimes your expectation can be like, oh... Well, I, I checked in with them, and they didn't need anything from me. Mm. So, I think I'm off the hook. That's not always the case. Sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're going to be fine, and they're not going to need anything from you. But I also think that it's important to note that sometimes it's not just a one-and-done conversation. If you open up that floor, and you you create this space for them to want to talk about it, um, they may come back in days, months, years, and want to talk about it again. And I think having not having expectation that, well, we already discussed this, you should be fine by now, mm-hmm. um, is very helpful because just 
knowing that again, like, I mean, I already said this in this podcast, but <laughs> in this episode, like grief is not linear. It will come back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Letting them be free of that expectation of like, we already talked about it. Yeah. Aren't you over this yet? Kind of thing. Yeah. It's not a one and done conversation. Right. Because grievers, I think tend to feel a sense of burden on people they open up to about their grief. I think that's normal. However, when you do put that expectation on it of not wanting to open up the conversation in the future, that adds to the feeling of burden they may already feel. Mm-hmm. And let's say you don't want to be talking about grief with this person in the future. Everyone's human, has their own wants and needs. Then don't open the floor for them in the first place. Mm. When you open the floor for someone and you're not going to have expectations, really don't have expectations. Mm-hmm. And really... You know, going into our next point of being intentional, really be intentional about how you open the floor. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Great. So, number three, we have be intentional. Mm. This is a big one. This is a big, big And one. I think it can be complicated because there's a lot of different ways that you can be intentional. And there's a lot of different ways where sometimes your intention can be a little bit... Um, misconstrued or maybe not be exactly what this person needs Mm -hmm. so I think this is one where uh maybe the intention number one like universal is to be there for that person and then moving on you can maybe set a different intention when you are around your grieving loved one Mm -hmm. um and maybe make it a bit more specific but, and we will get into that, of course, but when you're opening up the conversation or just talking with someone, maybe for the first time, second time, third time, who is currently grieving, the intention, I think, really should be to just be there and let them lead the conversation. And then as we're moving forward, you know, if they maybe spoke about some event of like, I'm super nervous to go to this wedding because I know my friend's mom super well and I know that she's going to be so happy to see her daughter get married, blah, blah, blah. And maybe this friend expressed that to you. The intention on that day can make, can be to make them feel supported and make them feel, uh, seen and let them know that if they need to talk about it, they can. Um, so I think you can define expect or sorry, define intentions if you have something to be super specific about, but when it's fresh, I think be intentional Yeah, is really just fully about letting them know that you're there. You're there. And I think it's great to communicate your intention to mm. the griever mm-hmm. because when you're grieving, I, I feel like it's a fog. I don't know. I, I think you feel the same way, like that it's a fog around you. It's hard to think clearly, and it's hard to think about someone else's intentions. So a great way for your actions to not be misconstrued by a griever who can't process it correctly because of what's going on in their body and their mind and their soul from grieving is by stating exactly what your intention is. Because it also opens up a dialogue for the griever to be like, oh, you know, this action actually makes me feel that way instead. Like, thank you so much for wanting to be there for me. This actually doesn't help, but this does. Mm-hmm. Not every griever is going to be able to communicate that, but maybe maybe you stating your intention will allow them to. And I also think being intentional through empathy. Mm-hmm. So I think people often get caught up in, well, I was only trying to help. I was only trying to help. I was only, I was only trying to say I'm sorry. I feel bad for her. It's like, that's great. But when you have these intentions, the intention to help, have it by putting yourself in the place of the griever first. And imagining what they could possibly be feeling. Because I think if you're just intentional thinking about yourself, it's it's still selfish. It's still the quote-unquote I statement instead of opening up the floor by being intentional through empathy. So like, I really want to help you because you're my friend and I love you, but also I know that I would need help in this situation. So I want to know how I can do that for you. You know, that's a great intention to follow through. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so smart. And... It also, I think, as the uh, person who's trying to help or be there for the griever, it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off of yourself, too, when you are able to communicate mm-hmm. that and you're able to set that intention for yourself. 
because you don't need to fix everything and they don't need you to fix everything. You don't need to be the person who the griever is going to cry on all the time. You don't need to be the person who's going to fill the void that the loved one left in their life because it's just not going to happen. So if you can set an intention before you approach someone of, I'm going to help them feel a little bit of relief or Mm. I'm going to, you know, take care of this one task because it might make them feel upset about something like, you know, just, Mm -hmm. just tiny little things. But if you set that intention beforehand, it also can just really help take the pressure off of you so that you don't feel like you need to walk in there and fix up everything because you're not going to be able to. It's not going to happen. That is such a great point. And also like muscles, you know, when your muscles are sore, it means they tore and they scarred over and that, that healed it, you know? So you can kind of remember it's there. But it doesn't, it's not as much pain as it used to be. So you can kind of fix a sore muscle by treating the symptoms. Whereas grief, I don't think scars over ever because the pain doesn't necessarily get less. Mm -hmm. You just are able to adapt to it more. So when you go into trying to help a griever by trying to fix them or fix what they're feeling, I truly think it's useless to both you and them. Yeah. It's, it's exhausting to both people because as someone who's trying to help, you are trying so hard to do something that can't be done. And as the griever, you are being <laughs> assaulted <laughs> <laughs> with effort that can honestly make you feel so much worse. Because yeah. sometimes when you are currently grieving, when everyone around you is like trying to fix you, it feels like, okay, well, everyone's here for me. Why don't I feel better? Mm, Why you, you tend to, you know, sometimes put pressure on yourself of just like, I have such a network. I have so many people trying to help me. Why isn't it working? You know? So true. And implying that something needs to be fixed implies that it's broken. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also kind of a harsh statement to put on a griever also. Definitely. So freaking be intentional. Um, And just one last final note on be intentional. It can be really scary to approach a griever, but I always think it is better to say something than than to not say something because you don't know Mm -hmm. if it's never been said before. And I actually have experience with this. I have a coworker whose parent passed away a couple months after my own, and they were the only one who actually approached me in the office with a, so sorry for your loss, if you need anything, let us know. They were wow. the only one in my office. Wow. Which was really kind, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. it because I didn't really know people in my office very well. Mm-hmm. And we were talking on the phone about something going on with work, and they said that they were going to go home for the holidays. And I was like, oh, is this the first time you've been home since the funeral? And they said, yeah. And I just said, is that going to be hard? How do you feel about that? And they said, you know... No one has asked me that yet. And then they opened up. And my intention there was to open a door in case they wanted to talk about it. And they did. And it was a very brief conversation. We didn't get too deep. But just knowing that no one else had asked them made me feel really glad that I just did it. Because I I did. I literally beforehand was like, should I say this? I'm glad I did. Because my intention was pure. And my intention was to open the floor in case they wanted to say something. And you were leading with empathy. I'm leading with empathy. You knew what Mm -hmm. that felt like. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's, um, it can be daunting. It can be a scary thing to do when you approach someone who is currently grieving. But if you do it, you know, with the steps that we've said before and, you know, you, you come with an open heart and don't come with expectations, you lead with love and you, your intention is to just kind of be whatever they need you to be. There's really no way you could go wrong. Yeah, there really isn't. And I think oftentimes, like, I've heard even, like, Danny say, like, well, nobody wanted to bring it up because nobody wanted to, like, make you sad when we're out having fun. And, you know, Kate and I have said this multiple times, but the fact about grief is that if you're grieving someone, you're always grieving them. You don't get a break from grieving them. And even if you are out having a lot of fun and you say something that makes me feel a little bit more sad than I did a second ago, I'm not going to be mad at you for bringing it up because it means that your intention is to open up 
this door for me to talk to you if I'm grieving. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. If you if you don't like say something, don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. So number four, being specific. Um, being specific can play into helping a griever in a few ways. One way that I like to tell people when they're asking me, like, well, how, what can I do, you know? Instead of asking a griever, oh, my gosh, how can I help you? How can I be there for you? It's great, you know, I would say a little bit down the line when the griever kind of has their bearings about them to ask that question so you can set your intentions in a productive way. However, especially when it's all fresh still, be specific in how you can help them. Hey, can I go get groceries for you today? Hey, it's cold out. Do you want me to, can I shovel your driveway for you? Um, Be really specific about what you can offer them. So instead of asking, what can I do for you? And it takes more energy and time for them to figure out what they need because they may not even know. You can just say yes or no. Can I make dinner for you? Yes. Or can I get groceries for you? No, but you know, I am thirsty. You know, it kind of opens their mind to what they might need to by being specific because you're taking away some of the work for them because Grievers can be exhausted, especially when it's fresh. Um, I mean, I don't remember sleeping a lot after my mom's death. You know, it's just kind of a thing. You're all over the place. So many thoughts and emotions. So having someone come in there and be specific and kind of take charge, like, can I do this for you? Can I do that for you? I think is awesome. And I think the phrasing while you're being specific is important too. I think instead of asking, do you want me to come over and watch a movie? I would say, can I come over and watch a movie with you? And if they say no, obviously don't take it personally. <laughs> but by saying can I instead of do you want, you indicate that you want. Mm-hmm. You want to be there for them, which kind of plays back into intention, you know. Your intention is to be there to help them. So ask them if you can, not mm-hmm. what do you want me to. Because mm-hmm. I think when you ask a griever, do you want me to do this for you? You kind of add that sense of burden to them again because it's hard to say well, yeah, I want that. I want, I want this help, you know, but you've already helped me X, Y, and Z way. Instead, just ask if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is perfect. And I think that it can be, especially when it's fresh, it is so overwhelming to just be in that space of like, you can barely even think about how to breathe. So thinking about how to let your people help you is really hard because you oftentimes you don't even know what you need but again like mel said i mean i i didn't i've said this a couple times i don't eat when i am in the midst of grief and having someone be like can i bring you dinner tonight that is (laughs) wildly helpful for me especially because thinking about what i have to cook or what i can feed myself can sometimes be an hour-long spiral because I it's very difficult for me to think about like to make a decision on what I'm going to feed myself because nothing sounds good. Food sound tastes like dirt and mm-hmm. I already feel nauseous and I just I really can't think about eating dinner. So that kind of stuff like can I come bring you a snack? Can I drop off some food? Yeah. Can I do this is so wildly helpful and I also think like Mel knows this about me. Mel knows that I don't eat a lot when I'm in the midst of it. And so if you know something specific about your griever, it's really nice to be able to ask pointed questions like that. You know, mm-hmm. if if this person maybe they can't get out of bed. Can't get out of bed. Well, can I come walk your dog? Mm-hmm. Can I come, you know, do some dishes? Can I come snuggle you? Mm-hmm. You know? Really anything, if you know kind of a little bit about how their grief affects them, it's super nice to offer those specifics because it makes you feel incredibly useful as well. If you're ready to be specific, you're ready to offer those things, make sure you're offering something you can follow through with. Do not offer something that you feel you cannot perform because mm-hmm. oh, I just feel like that's so much worse. So make sure you're ready to, to fulfill what you're offering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. And it can be simple things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I come brush your hair. Yeah. <laughs> and I really want to, you know, being in the role of, of being there for someone who's grieving is a big role to have. And maybe you didn't ask for this role. And it, it can be hard for you, too. Mm-hmm. So 
when you're thinking about all these tips and tricks, check in in yourself, you know, before you hang out with this griever, before you interact with this griever, to make sure you're good with yourself in that moment so you're not projecting anything onto them. Um, Because I think it kind of plays into, like, love languages, you know? You find out what someone needs instead of offering something you actually need when you're in that space. So instead of, like... Like, you know you like to take walks when you're feeling like crap. Okay, can I come and take a walk for you? But your friend doesn't give a crap about walks. <laughs> they just want some chocolate, you know? So really, I think, have that element of empathy when you're being specific, too, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, yeah, and you just really, you just really, the kind of relief that can be offered with kind mm-hmm. of specific stuff is just yeah. big. And I think that when someone's grieving, you know, all eyes are on them and it can feel like you're on a stage and the spotlight is on you. You can't see anyone else. You just know that they're expecting something from you. Mm -hmm. And so by taking charge and saying, hey, can we go do this over here? Whatever. Can we go for a walk? Can I come take something to you? All of a sudden, you know, the lights off of you because they're doing it now. Mm-hmm. You're in the back seat. They're taking charge for you. So I think that helps too when you're you're specific with things. Yeah, and also makes you feel better. Yeah, because they're when you have someone who's grieving and the knowledge that you can't take away their pain and you can't help them, like through this journey, is really tough. So knowing that okay, I can offer this. I can help them with this specific thing, is huge for you because it makes you feel better to make them have a little bit of relief. Yes. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's not a circle. vicious cycle. It's like a beautiful circle. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a nice circle. It's a tame <laughs> circle. It's a tame cycle. It makes yes. everyone feel good. It makes everyone feel um, taken care of and understood. And it's, it's just a really, it's a really nice thing to do for your grieving friend. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. We got one more for you. Um, and this kind of ties into what Mel had just said Mm -hmm. about being prepared to, um, provide the specifics that you offered. Follow through. When you are opening the door, offering specifics, not judging, leading with love, this and that, it's all good and fine. But if you don't follow through on everything that we just listed, if you offer something, don't deliver it. If you say, can I help you with anything or do you want to talk about it? And then you don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you are trying to not have expectations and you put an expectation on them, it's really tough. It's almost more damaging than if you just don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. Follow through. Just don't offer the help. Don't open the door Mm-mm. if you cannot remain that way. Yeah. You got to follow through. And it's okay if you can't do these things. If you can't be there for a griever, if you're not, you don't have that capacity right now, that is okay. 100%. It is so okay because at some point in our lives, I truly believe all of us have not been capable of being there for someone when they need us. Mm -hmm. So it's important to recognize that about yourself. Take a step back, understand, you know, I can't offer them anything. So maybe my words of sentiment are, you know, my heart is with you. Mm. You know, that's, that's my go-to because it's like, if I'm kind of removed from the situation and I, if I'm not in a place where I can be there for them, but I feel for them still, I don't want them to be going through this. Here's a statement for me that doesn't require follow through because I'm not capable of it at this moment. Mm -hmm. My heart is with you. Yep. If you can't follow through, and I think with follow through, continue in checking up on the griever, then all the other points we just talked about, like Kate said, don't really mean a thing. Mm-hmm. And I do think as a griever, you remember who follows through. Because for me, it was about after my mom died, building and recognizing the network I have of people I can get, go to. Mm-hmm. And the people who didn't follow through were not in that network for me. And it had nothing to do with our friendship or relationship, but it did have to do with the fact that they didn't follow through and didn't, you know, check in later either. Mm-hmm. I think when you say, I'll be here for you, be there for them for the rest of time. You know, <laughs> as, as long as you have the relationship. Mm-hmm. You check in weekly and you you text them. You set an alarm to text them. 
um, to remind yourself, hey, I want to check in and see how they're doing or daily or let's say monthly or whatever. If you have to remind yourself some way, set an alarm or or do something so that you'll remember to check in. Because mm-hmm. I get it. We're human. We have busy lives. Our lives are not intermingled with every single other person's lives, even the people we care about the most. Mm-hmm. We can let things slip, but don't let it slip. Yeah. You know? It's important. And when Mel's mm-hmm. mom passed, I set alarms. I put it in my calendar to check in with Mel. And it got more distant as mm-hmm. time went on because it doesn't need to be every day mm-hmm. anymore. But for the first two weeks, it was every day. And then it moved to a couple times a week and then like once a week and then once a month. And that was also when we were seeing each other like a little bit less. And now we mm-hmm. see each other like once a week minimum. So yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a lot easier to maintain. But if you know you have someone in your life that maybe you are not going to have constant contact with, but you want to make it known that they can pick up the phone and call um, if they're having some sort of episode or something like that, mm-hmm. it's perfectly okay to just like set a quick little alarm and it doesn't have to be a long turn on text and just you can just say here for you or how was your day mm-hmm. or did you have a good week whatever yeah. it is what do you have for lunch today it can be yeah. anything but just restating that you are a presence in their life is so helpful because when they are feeling alone they know that you are a constant and they know that they might be able to call you and just chit chat might not be about their grief. Sometimes if I'm feeling alone, grief is the last thing I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about the latest movie or I want to talk about, you know, whatever, like mm-hmm. the weather. Yeah. <laughs> and just making sure that your presence is constant in their life is like ridiculously helpful. So yeah, it's follow so helpful through. And so important. And I think it also, while you're following through, I think it's important to remember to not have expectations again. Mm-hmm. Because when you're follow through, follow through to follow through. Don't follow through to get a response. Don't follow through because you want to be that person's number one. Or you're jealous because you're checking in on them because they just hung out with someone else and they (laughs) didn't even ask you to hang out. You know, like, crazy things happen. Yeah. So when you're following through, again, check in. Don't have expectations when you're following through. You're Mm -hmm. following through to help that person. Mm -hmm. Your intention is to be there for them. So follow through, check in, and be there for them. Yep. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. On the topic of being there for a griever, I've been on both sides, you know, been there for someone who's grieving and have grieved myself, obviously. So on both sides of it, whether you're there for a griever or you are the griever, I think if you're being there for a griever, it's important to remember not everybody's perfect and it's okay to make mistakes. Like you don't have to come at this like, I'm never going to make a mistake. I'm going to be perfect. I think intention, that tip really plays into it, you know? Uh, For example, in college, um, my friends and I were grieving the loss of a loved one. I didn't know him as well as my friends did, but I remember hanging out with his his ex-girlfriend and we were talking and I had said something that was my thoughts. I was just processing out loud what I thought about the way that he had passed and how it kind of like applied to life in general. And afterwards, I found out that something in that conversation had really like deeply hurt the griever. And obviously it wasn't my intention. However, reflecting on that moment, I was using the I statements. I was talking about life in general. I wasn't being present or intentional about being there for that griever. And it's one of the biggest regrets in my life. And you know, a huge lesson I had to learn after that is that griever has only talked to me once since that day and has never told me what I said that was that made her feel so deeply hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not her responsibility to fill me in on those details. It's my responsibility to understand that something I said didn't sit right, and that's okay. You know, I messed up, and it's not the griever's responsibility to make me feel better about it. So I think that's... That's just a scenario I want to share because it's it's not just trying to like attack the person who who's doing things wrong and you're not always going to get it right. And you have to remember that the griever is the main character in that part of the story. Mm-hmm. You can't take it personally and you can't fault them for how they might react to what you say or do. Yeah. That's great advice. And that's like 
and again, I mean, that is, that's got, that was tough for you. That's a really hard thing for you. That's, that's difficult, but you are understanding that this isn't, it's not about you. Right. It's about them and you are putting them first and you're letting the griever grieve. And when somebody tells you that something you said hurt them, don't be defensive. You don't get to say that it didn't hurt them. No. You just, you can say, I'm so sorry, is there anything I can do? Mm -hmm. Without the expectation that there will be something you can do. Sometimes if you say something and it really did not go over well, there might not be a way to come back from that. But also, like, wouldn't you rather know? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes when I think about that of, like, I'm not telling this person that they hurt my feelings. Not only is it eating me up inside, but also they might go say that same thing to someone else in my situation and it could really hurt their feelings too. Yeah. Like I would so much rather know. I would so much <laughs> and I'm so glad I knew because it allowed me to reflect on how I was being how I wasn't being there for the griever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just And now you have a podcast about grief. So. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um I did just want to give like a a scenario uh, to kind of go through applying these tips. For example, I kind of touched on in one of these episodes about I have a really hard time at weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recently narrowed it down that I I can't do speeches. It's just something I can't do. Can't do it. I will cry. I'll probably have a panic attack. So <laughs> I'm going to remove myself from I'm gonna the situation. I'm going to opt out. <laughs> I'm going to hashtag opt out so I don't. Ruin the rest of the night for myself. Um, So, in that situation, I've had a really hard time, you know, at weddings because it's kind of rude to remove yourself for the speeches. So, I've clued people in now that it doesn't work for me to do speeches so I can feel comfortable to remove myself and then call whoever I need to call to, to help support me. And I just remember... Kate, I called her one time when this happened, and I was bawling. And Kate was almost silent on the other end of the phone, but just the fact that I knew that I could call her in that moment, because she had already expressed her intentions, she never had expectations on me, she always leads with love, she's specific, and she follows through. And I just knew she, I could call her, and she didn't even have to say anything, but knowing that she was there on the other end of the phone brought me some sort of comfort and grounded me a bit before I could re-enter the situation. So when you apply these five things consistently to the griever, it it pays off. The griever remembers and, and that means everything, you know, for someone to be able to know they can reach out to you when they're grieving means everything because mm-hmm. it's such a lonely state. Yeah. And I, yeah. It's so true, and I think, I mean, gosh, Mel has done this for me countless times as well, because this week alone, I've cried, like, four times, and I don't, I don't usually cry. The circumstances (laughs) have not really, I'm not really crying, but I've cried a lot, and it's, like, been to Mel, because I, I again, she does all this so well, and she Mm -hmm. has, like, established this type of um, openness through these steps that makes me understand that I can say or do anything and she's just gonna be there and so it really I mean we really tried to to think about this and we like we said this is the second recording of this episode Mm -hmm. the first episode we were all over the place but we had a conversation we kind of figured out that this really does sum up what we feel um can help a griever and we really tried to put a lot of thought into this and this is coming from a place of, um, it's coming from a place of love and it's coming not from a place of judgment. Like Mm-mm. people make mistakes. I've made countless mistakes when I'm approaching my grieving friends and, oh yeah, you know, everyone has to learn from it. So if you don't perfect it, you no, know, this can never be perfected. You can never be the perfect person for a griever. It's just not going to happen. Mm-mm. I think if you are able to kind of set these goals for yourself it will also make you feel a lot better when you approach a griever because oftentimes when you have a, a friend that's lost, lost a loved one, it's, it's really overwhelming because you don't know how to help. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to be there for them. You don't know what to say. Even when people die now and I mm-hmm. try and be there for my friends, it's still a daunting task. So being able to kind of create goals and 
um, create these little guidelines, it it can make the task of being there for a griever a lot easier to manage. Mm-hmm. And trust that the relationship you've built with that person, whether it's an acquaintance, friend, best friend, family member, will set the foundation for applying these tips too. You know that person, you know that relationship, trust yourself, try to respond instead of react, take deep breaths, understand you're still human, and you know, it's an honor to be in that moment with that griever, so if you can, set these goals for yourself ahead of time, kind of like Kate said, and just remember and breathe through the moment, you'll be fine. Yeah, and also understand that, you know, you're going to fuck up. You're yeah. human. They're human, too. They're going to understand it. Mm-hmm. But as long as you are trying to open your heart to them, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're going to get it. They're going to understand where mm-hmm. you're coming from. Yeah. So So that's that's all about it. Yeah. Um, uh, per usual, if you have any feedback on this, we'd love to hear it. Especially this. We'd Especially love to hear it. Especially this. And there probably will be like a part two, part three, part 17. Um, <laughs> because we're going to keep learning about this. And we're going to keep mm-hmm. learning how to be there for our grieving loved ones as well as being there for ourselves. So if you have tips or tricks or maybe um, go-to things that you say or go-to things that you offer, that could be, you know, you were grieving and someone offered to do xyz activity or something like that let us know because oh my gosh yeah this is like we said a thousand times actually this is episode six like we've said five times previously (laughs) or maybe this is episode seven i don't know (laughs) this is a community and we're all here to help each other and we're all here to kind of you know find ways to just be the best most empathetic empathetic the best most empathetic people that we can be um so yeah drop us a comment drop us us know what you think Send us an email. We haven't mentioned our email in a while. What is it? I th- Dead Mom Society at gmail.com? <laughs> I think so. Oh, yeah. Instagram, Dead Mom Society. Send yeah. us a message. <laughs> <laughs> definitely DM us. We definitely, we definitely are on lock there. We also love the DMs. We've gotten quite a few DMs from people that we actually don't even know, which is like just the most incredible feeling I mean, in the entire tears. world. Like, Kate will send me something and I just break out in tears. It makes like, us cry every time. Every <laughs> single time every time we're so honored to be in this space so thank you for listening Mm -hmm. cool as always it is what it is and it's okay to not be okay see you next time cheers